Hello everyone, welcome to the Rainbow Dice Club. We are so excited to be here and share with you this amazing homebrew world that we have been building together. We are a non-binary and woman-led LGBTQ2IA actual play podcast, and we are so excited to bring more representation to the table and to the world of D&D. My name is Lex, my pronouns are they, she, and I'm going to be your dungeon master for tonight. And most nights, quite honestly. You can find me on Instagram at Twitter at LexGetPizza. So, welcome to the session before the session. We'll be playing D&D 5e in a homebrew setting. Tonight, you'll meet the cast and we'll tell you a bit about the world of Minthis, where our story takes place. First, we're going to go over some home rules and then we'll meet our characters, so no spoilers for now. I'm honored to introduce our amazing cast. Ari, go ahead and say hello. Hi, I'm Ariana, or Ari. My pronouns are she, her, and you can find me at adventuring underscore Ari on all the social medias. I'm so excited to be here with all of you amazing humans. I'm going to be playing Alara, a half-elf whose pronouns are also she, her, and I cannot wait for you all to meet her. All right, Dusty, you're up. Hello, everyone. My name is Dusty. My pronouns are she, they, and you can find me on Twitter as at Dusty Penny with two Y's at the end. I play Ivy Nightbreeze Tinker Fay, and her pronouns are she, her, and I'm just excited to finally get this thing started. Wayra, go for it. Hello, everyone. My name is Wayra. Uh, my pronouns are she, they, and I will be playing uh, Varys, a half-orc, half-elf barbarian. His pronouns are he, they. You can find me at my social media at fake shiny on most platforms. And last but certainly not least, Zoop. Tell us what you got. Hello, I'm Supriya, but I'm known as Zoop online mostly, and you can find me as Zoop Machine. Just type that in on whichever social media you prefer, and if I'm there, you'll find me there. My pronouns are she, her, and I am playing Ziva, whose pronouns are also she, her, and she is a completely normal human who's ready for an adventure. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty, let's throw up the disclaimer that this is a highly homebrewed world. All of our PCs have some aspect of homebrew built in, which you'll learn about as it comes up. So if things seem different than what you might expect from a raw D&D game, that's why. We're having fun and telling a great story using the base of D&D 5e. We're relying heavily on the rule of cool, so long as it works logically. But having said that, let's get into some of the home rules that we will be using. Obviously, more will be added as they come up, but this is where we're starting. First off, nat 20s are not always an automatic success. Sometimes even a nat 20 isn't enough. Next, we are utilizing the cleaving rule in this game. So if one of our PCs attack an opponent and manage to defeat them, but still have damage left over, that residual damage will affect another nearby opponent. For critical hits, the extra damage done to a target will be equal to the maximum amount of rolled damage possible in a regular attack. The last two rules pertain to spellcasters. Just like martial classes, spellcasters can have critical hits or failures. Basically, if a spell requires a target to make a saving throw, and they roll a natural one, that is a critical hit against that target and they will incur extra damage. On the other side, however, if the target rolls a natural 20, they won't get any damage, even if the spell states that the target gets half damage on a successful save. Finally, if a spellcaster is out of spell slots, they can still use slotted spells. However, they will gain levels of exhaustion equal to the level of spell slots used. One more disclaimer for today. 
I would like to give a brief content warning for today's episode regarding profanity. And now, let's get to what you've all been waiting for. Welcome to the world of Minthus, a place where technology is rapidly advancing, a place where magic and science can cross paths and mostly coexist. Mostly. Oria is a unique country in this world for how progressed its technology is. The capital city of Kalar is famous worldwide as a central hub for science and progress. There, you'll find advanced automatons working beside humanoids to help the city grow and prosper, along with computers, advanced medicine, and early versions of automobiles, which are beginning to allow for rapid travel across Oria alongside the train system connecting the major cities countrywide. Kalar is also the political center of Oria, where elected representatives of the eight provinces come to debate, compromise, and shape the country. This council is headed by a president chosen and elected by the entirety of Oria, and they primarily act to moderate and act as a tiebreaker in the council. It is this council that, hundreds of years ago, sought to improve safety in Oria by ordering the closure of interplanet portals. The country had seen dangerous monsters and increased disasters associated with interplanar travel. This level of danger led to the council and the president at the time deeming interplanar travel illegal and sending adventuring parties to close any and all portals they could find. This led to a decrease in the monsters people feared, but as one might expect, the closing of these portals also led to the eventual non-existence of interplanar beings in Oria. Whether they fled, were pushed back, or in some sad cases, killed. Now Asimards, Tieflings, and even Eladrin Elves are spoken of only as though they existed in legends of long ago, or they're found in stories to scare children into behaving. It is only the Janazi who are known to exist in this world, but they tend to keep to themselves in small, tight-knit communities, and those who do branch out are only really found in places where magic and science work hand-in-hand, -hand, like Kalar. Our story begins not in the amazing marvel that is the city of Kalar. Instead, we will begin in the far west of Oria in the Masqueradas Mountains. For you see, what used to be a beautiful mountain range is, well, now, missing its peak. Just shy of 20 years ago, a large meteor hit the mountain causing a huge crater to form in place of the peak. The meteor kicked up walls of molten ground that solidified in sort of splash pattern around the edge of the crater, like the moment of impact was frozen in time atop the mountains. After some time, a lake formed in the crater, and well, we all know that water brings life. Exploring parties sent up the mountain discovered that it was not only quite livable due to the source of fresh water, but the crater itself made access points deep into the mountain that were otherwise blocked. And in the mountain, people found gems more prolific and valuable than ever before seen in this country. And so, people did what people do, and the small mining town of Dragon's Nest was established atop the mountain in the center of this crater around the lake. Every year, in the autumn, during the month of Mittery, there is a week-long festival in Dragon's Nest, known as the Falling Star Festival. People come from all over to attend this festival, in which a beautiful meteor shower lights up the sky over the course of five nights. And so, our story begins on the first day of the Falling Star Festival, on a dirt path 
about two hours south of the town of Dragon's Nest. We see a blue person walking and looking around with curiosity and trepidation, occasionally glancing down at a worn and yellowed map. She seems confused as she follows roads and trails that don't entirely make sense according to the map in her hands. Dusty, would you please introduce your character? Yes, so Ivy is very much like elven looking, but her skin is blue and her hair is dark navy. And she has this little purple dragon flitting around her head. Little purple pseudo dragon, probably about maybe two or three feet long. Very chirpy, very happy. The dragon. Ivy is very upset right now. She is very, like, not sure what's happening, questioning this map that her father gave her. She's supposed to be on this epic journey of self-discovery, and she can't even find the goddamn road. So <laughs> she's walking along frustrated, sort of stamping her feet as she goes. And she's like, where the fuck is this thing? I, what the fuck? What? As you're walking, Ivy, and you're angrily looking around, you finally see a small sign that points you in the direction of a town called Orvine. And you recognize this from your map as being close to where you're headed. Okay, Orvine. Okay, I guess I will go over there and see if anybody knows where this stupid fucking place is. As you're walking, you start seeing more and more people on the same path and say a few hours pass you know everything's not super close together but as you're walking more and more of these people are still heading in the same direction you are so you must be heading in the right direction what is ivy thinking right now ivy is i think equal parts confused as well as like starting to get a little excited um she's maybe thinking that her father didn't realize how like popular this kind of place would be. So maybe she's going to be taking this journey with a few other people that she wasn't expecting, but at least she'll be there. At least she'll be on top of this mountain. As she's thinking this and she kind of comes around the corner of some of these, these large trees and starts to see the edge of the city, the city of Orvine. She sees a lot of families with small children. She thinks, well, I guess Maybe we had place to bring your children, but whatever. And as she's thinking that, she also she also notices that just outside of the town, there's actually a, a large building where as she's looking at the mountains, the, the Masqueradus Mountains, they don't look as tall as your dad described them to be. And you look at this building and you see what looks like to you, someone who hasn't seen most of any of this sort of technology or this sort of world before. It looks like a giant black box just like floating in the sky, suspended by it. Well, from this distance, you just see the black box. You don't see anything. It's not suspended by anything to you. She's going to stare at it with her brows pinched, like just trying to figure out what she's looking at. And when that doesn't work, she's going to start walking towards it and see if she can, like, find legs or something. Because I think at this point she would assume that there's some sort of, like, I think she would assume coming from where she's from that it would be some sort of, like, large animal. 
as she's thinking it's a large animal, she sees that it's moving. It's moving kind of in a straight line up and down the mountains. There's a couple of them. And this small child is with his family not far behind you. And as they turn the corner around the woods, um, you hear the little boy just go, oh my God, the trams are so cool. I can't wait to try it. It's so cool. What goes through Ivy's head when she hears the word tram? Is this some sort of new species, maybe? A tram? What's a tram? Ivy walks up and she gets to the building and all she sees on, on there... Ivy reads common, correct? Yes. Okay. She reads on the building, Orvine to Dragon's Nest Tram. And it's about... You know, it's about five five copper to go up in the tram. And you see that the line is in the building, around the building, outside. And it's just a, it's a tourist trap, essentially. She thinks about it for a second, watches it go up and down, and kind of decides that since her father didn't mention it, she's not going to take it because this is... A so she's going to choose to go up the mountain on foot? Yeah. Okay. That that it just seems like so, like what she would do. Like I don't I can't imagine her being the type of person who would like willingly go into a giant beast <laughs> regardless. All right. Um so you decide you're not going to go up this tram and as you're walking past, you see signs pointing you towards the Dragon's Nest trailhead. She's going to go that way. Okay. Her dragon. And what was your what was your dragon's name again? Uh her dragon's name is Bia. B E A. Right. So, as you and Bia approach the trailhead, you do see that there are some people going up the trailhead, but it's it is like maybe 1 to 2% of the people that are going up the mountain by, via the tram, essentially. And a lot of them seem to have more the mentality of like, you know, I'm going to do this just because I can and cuz I want to versus who look at the pretty thing and I can go up in the tram and it's going to take 30 minutes rather than four fucking hours. I I also don't think she would like wait in a line to be 100% honest with you. <laughs> Fair I enough. Just, considering the think... line would probably also be about three and a half hours. So it's like four hours either way. Yeah, she she's not used to having to wait in line. So this is a pretty well-trodden path at this point very much a contradiction to what your father told you mm -hmm. it is well trodden it is easy it's just long so she's gonna start walking up it is about you know 10 o'clock in the morning give or take so she makes it up to the top of the mountain around 2 p.m and as she kind of crests the top of the mountain and sees the town deep in the crater what goes through her head so when she gets up to the top of the mountain she looks at it she goes where the fuck did it go? Where the fuck did it go? She's going to say that out loud, probably around some small children. Uh. Yeah, as you say that, there are some parents kind of grabbing their kids' ears and being like, what is wrong with this woman? What the hell? <laughs> like, this is a public space. <laughs> And so like, there's some other people who walked up the mountain with you who are looking at you very confused as to why you're like angry about this because you've made it to the to the town, the goal. You made it there. 
she's just i think she's gonna like stand there and stare for probably like a minute or two just trying to puzzle out if she's in the right place she looks down at the map she's like okay yes this is the right place but again where the fuck did it go (laughs) as she's saying this repeatedly to herself um ivy's gonna start walking into town so the town opens up where the tram and the the hiking path tend to both end up opening out to, or ending at is this kind of open area. Not quite a field because it's all, you know, rock and molten lava that's been solidified, but this large open area. And you're starting to head towards the town, but you see over your shoulder that there is a large circus looking thing going on. There are no nobody's really there as a tourist just yet. It doesn't seem because you don't see a bunch of lines forming, but you do see a lot of people walking around. It looks like they're setting things up. Just a lot of, as far as you can tell, a lot of games and machinery. Okay. I think she would assume that this is kind of always here. And so she would try and find somebody who looked old. Like, like an old wise wizard or something. Like in the stories. <laughs> Try and find someone old. Ivy Does she have a concept? Very... Does she have a concept of what old looks like? No. Uh, it's <laughs> what her father would have told her. Like, think of like your dad secondhand telling you like old wizard stories. Like um, Lord of the Rings, like your father secondhandedly telling you Lord of the Rings um, when he hadn't read it in 20 years. So you're looking for Gandalf. Can I just say I love Ivy already? (laughs) I'm looking for Gandalf. Uh, I'm looking for discount Gandalf. So so you you're walking through town looking for basically a tall man with a long white beard. Because that's all you imagine. And a pointy hat. A pointy hat. You're going to walk around for a little bit and then you... I would imagine. You're going to walk around for quite a little bit. Um, It's filled with wizards. Psych. It's a magic town. I mean, it's actually It's actually a wizard convention. Good job. You walk around for a while. You pass. It says outside that it's a holy place and you see some people in robes that match that description of old man. And they're all kind of chanting and everything outside and around the around the different around the building. However, none of them look like the old man you're looking for. They're not wizened in the sense that they they don't have wrinkles. They're not they're not, they don't have long white beards or pointy hats. And as the afternoon goes on and you're just walking around with Bia occasionally nudging you on the cheek to be like, just sit down, just chill. You finally see a, an old man. You see what you can describe as an old man walking in into a, a he's about to walk into a building. He is not in a not in a long cloak. He doesn't have a hat on. He's actually bald and he's kind of short. So he's really not checking a lot of these boxes, but he does have a long white beard. At this point, pretty sure she's just going to go, OK, good enough. And um, start trying to, like, get his attention. <laughs> She's going to quickly walk over and be like, um, so, so wizard, uh, so wizard, can I, can I talk to you a moment? <laughs> uh, what? What? 
Hey. Yes. He turns yes, and hello. looks at you, kind of startled that someone's talking to him. Hello, hello. Uh, can I? Can I ask a question? Sweetheart, you gotta speak up. I cannot hear you. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What? What? What is it? Where did the mountain go? Where did the fountain go? What are you talking about? There was never a fountain here. The, no, the, the, the mountain? He kind of pauses and looks at you, squints his eyes, and then goes, Are you one of those genasses? Uh, what? I'd love to meet one if you are one. <laughs> um, okay. And she just walks away. Okay, he starts heading on into a bar where you see it like not not nobody nearly as old, but like some other people inside. <laughs> what does Ivy do? She's gonna I think she's gonna wait for him to go in and then go in to the bar. She doesn't want to talk to him again, so she's going to avoid him, <laughs> but she's <laughs> immediately I immediately make an NPC you hate. I love it. And she, she's going to walk into the bar and remember another story her father told her about how tavern owners know everything. And she's going to walk up to the bar. So you walk up and at first you don't see anyone at the bar and you kind of look over and there's a, a little halfling man. He's just doing his job. He's doing the best he can. And he keeps kind of looking over his shoulder, like nervously at this dragonborn woman who's got her leg propped up in the corner, who just is sitting there with her arms crossed, seeming like her leg is propped up in a cast. And she just looks very frustrated and annoyed at everything. Ivy's going to walk up to the halfling. Um, excuse me, can I, can I ask you a question without you being very weird to me? Who's being weird? What? Uh, can I can I just ask you a question super quick, and then I'll be out of your hair. Of course. What what is it? Where did the mountain go? What are, what are you talking about? I mean, the mountain that was here. We're in the mountain. No, we're in a crater. We're on. We're in a crater on top of the mountain. Where did the rest of it go? The rest of it. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait. How old are you? Um, like fifty-four. If you're, if you're 54, I'm sorry, like, did you, yeah. did you, are you from like some small town that doesn't get the newspaper? I mean, I know that the news didn't travel like as quickly then as it does now, but like, what? Like newspaper? Do you mean like by bird? I don't. Oh my God. I, I don't have time for this. He's like trying to like fill up some, some, ma uh, some mugs of ale and he just looks and he's like, you know, like, I don't know how you don't know, but, like, this mountain hasn't been a true mountain mountain in about, you know, 18, 19 years. I don't really know. There was a big meteor, a big explosion, you know. I heard some people probably died in it. Nobody even really cares or knows. They were just really weird and kept to themselves. That's what I heard. Oh, what? But, like, yeah, we're here. We made a crater in the mountaintop, and we're just... We made the town, because... We were able to make some real, the mining companies were able to create some amazing, wonderful mining shafts and get some really phenomenal ore, you know? They were able to get to some, some rocks, all, all other stuff. So like, now we're here. Now you're here. Um, uh, okay, so, okay. No 
a mountain, poof, god, whatever. Um, where do you go to start your quests, then, if there's no... What are you talking about? Mountain. Nobody goes anywhere to oh go... My god. You just start the oh. quest. You don't have to, Like, it's not... It's nothing magical. You're not, like, given a magic... Yes, it is. It's supposed to be magical. Says who? When? To my father. Okay. Well, your father was wrong. That is your opinion. And she's going to turn around and walk out. <laughs> is she just going to, like, kind of sit down and, like, contemplate her life for a little while? She She's going to walk out and then, like, immediately walk over to, like, a bench or something and sit down with her head in her hands, just, like, absorbing the fact that, one, her father was wrong about something, and, two, that the mountain is gone. And I think that her father was wrong about something is sinking in harder than that the mountain was is gone. Okay, as she sits down and... <laughs> And starts contemplating all of her life choices, debating whether or not this should have happened or what is wrong with the world that she is now in. We are going to pan over to someone. We're still in the crater of the mountain, mind you, but we're kind of like on the outskirts, not really near the town. The town makes up. It's still fairly small. The town's only about 10 to 15 years old. So a lot of the area around the crater is owned by the main mining companies, the different mining companies and different scientific or geologic groups, or as it would be called in this world, the Terex scientists. We look over and as the sun, it's the sun starting to go down. It's around 5 p.m. and it, we're in the middle of, of autumn. So the sun's starting to set. We, we see in the middle of one of these not fields again because it's rock and dirt in the middle of one of these open areas near what looks like an open mine shaft. We see a red haired individual kind of looking around over her shoulder, checking out the surroundings and seems to be heading towards that mine shaft, but maybe not really. So Ari, can you please describe your character for me? Sure. So you'll see a tall half elf First thing you'll notice is fiery red hair that comes up to about her chin, green eyes and face smattered with freckles. You'll probably notice the goggles that sit atop her head and an oversized green jacket that has a lot, lot, lot of pockets. And then slung across her chest is kind of like a messenger bag that goes to the side and across the chest part are little potion bottles all on it. And I'm walking. Where are you headed? Where do you want to go? I'm headed to the mine shaft. Okay. So you ap approach the mine shaft and as Alara, as Alara di uh, does, she she does see some, you know, private property keep out signs. What does she do? I am going to keep walking. <laughs> so blatantly ignoring a clear do not trespass sign. Do she I see walks, anyone? You can make a perception check. Passively, you don't really notice anyone. I should probably have like my statute, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, what a concept. Of the game, right? This is D&D, isn't it? What am I doing? Perception? Perception. Okay, well, that's a 19. Well, that's a pretty damn good roll for your first roll of the game. Pretty good roll. And I have a plus zero, so just a 19. I'll take it. You do see that there are, not near you, but like there are some people around, but they don't seem to be paying you any mind. They all look just tired and grimy from day's work in the mines. And honestly, they don't get paid enough to care what you're doing. 
Cool. So yeah, then I'm just gonna I'm gonna walk into the mine. All right, you walk into the mine, you see mine carts and everything, and as you're going through, you do see in the walls and in some of these mine carts some gleaming rocks and stones. What do you do? I'm searching for a very specific stone. So as you start searching for this stone, I would like you to make an investigation check, please. This is the one that I would like to be a good roll. Well, that is a total of 13. Not terrible. Not terrible. You know, you don't find what you're looking for, but you do find a bunch of other things in in these different um, mine cards and in the walls. You start to you see some rubies, some sapphires. None of them are easily accessible to you or they're not in like small enough clusters for you to easily take without it being like a hindrance to you. And so you start, you keep looking, you keep going, you keep trying to find ones that are small enough for you to at least take with you. So with that, I would like you to make a luck check for me. Just a, okay. just a d20. Is that like just a roll? Just okay. a d20 roll, no, no modifiers. Come on, come on, come on. Six. <laughs> Was it like evens and odds? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> uh, so as you're doing this, would you say that Alara is pretty like focused in, like got her, her not really looking in her peripheral anymore because she's now no. in the mine shaft? I'm really looking at some gems up close. <laughs> she hears not very far behind her a bunch, a couple footsteps, and then just a voice just being like, "Hey, hey, what are you doing in here? Mine's closed. Go home." Oh, hi. Um, yeah, okay. I I'm just almost done here. Just uh, boss said a few more minutes, so you know, and I'll smile. <laughs> no, you know that like. That the end of the day is the end of the day. There's no staying a few minutes later, no matter what any boss says. It's regulations. Like, you can't be here. Uh, okay. But I think I dropped something down, like, further a little bit. Do you mind if I just run and get it? What's so important? There's no more... Look, it's a safety issue. Come on. Like, it's a safety issue. There's nobody else here who can help get you if you fall down one of the mine shafts. I'm not gonna fall. I'm spry. It's totally cool. Just give me like five more minutes. Wait, what does spry even mean? What? It, what? You know, like, you know, I'm quick on my feet and I'll like try to be like cool and I'll probably like trip over a rock a little bit if I'm being completely you honest. S- <laughs> you try and look cool and you visibly stumble in front of this guy and he just goes, what? No, this is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Not against you. I'm worried you're going to sue us. I would never, ever even dream of it. Like, not even a little bit. Well, okay. Well, can I see your your employee badge, please? Yes. And I'll start tapping all of my pockets. <laughs> there's, um, there's 12 that are visible to anyone looking at my big, <laughs> oversized green jacket. And I'll start... I love that you had to count yeah, that I out did. in your head. I did. Um... And I'll start kind of digging through them. Oh, okay. Um, and I'll take out like a scroll and I'll open it. Nope, this isn't it. I, I swear I had it somewhere. I must have left. How it. did you get in here? How did you get in here if you didn't have if you don't have your employee ID? I walked. You walked past the checkpoint? Yeah, I Oh god, somebody's gonna get fired today. Listen, I have an idea. 
I won't tell anyone about this if you just give me five more minutes. Well, I'm not getting fired. No, absolutely not. And neither am I. That checkpoint person, definitely, probably. Oh, but they've got kids. Yeah, so if we just, just like hang out here for like five minutes and- So wait, wait, you think you left your badge down there with, down like further in the shed? Yes, that's what I'm looking for. Yep. Okay, I'll come, I'll come with you and be your spot. Okay, awesome. Make sure you don't, you don't fall or if you do, I'll, I'll do my best to, to pull you out. That sounds promising. He wraps a rope around your waist and is like, it's, I know it's not the official harness, but like, you know, it's one of those just in case situations. Sure. Do I like wrap? I'll wrap. I'll take some like rope out of my pack and I'll wrap it around his waist. <laughs> he just looks at you and is like, you don't fit the aesthetic of the workers in this company. Probably not. That's fair. And he's looking at your goggles, just kind of like, those aren't, those weren't company provided. We don't provide any of that stuff. Do I see him staring at my goggles? Yes. I'm going to take out my, um, my tinkers. I have tinkers tools and one of my pockets and I'm going to tap my goggles and lights are going to shine out of the two, the two things. And I'm going to put them down. I bet you wish you had these, huh? You know, you could probably sell that to the company and make a buttload of money. You know, you would be saving them a lot of workers. You know, the number of people who die down here because they don't see where they're walking, it's dangerous. That's awful. It is what it is, man. Well, I guess with these lights, we'll be okay, yeah? We'll be better off, but that's why we got the rope, just in case. Obviously, yes. All right. So as you're walking, like, do you try and grab any of the stones that you see? Because there are some smaller ones. I'm keeping an eye out for one that's like, I think it's got to be almost like a, like circular on top, but it needs to have like a little point somewhere because it needs to fit very specifically. And I think I can like probably whittle some down because they're going to be rough around the edges, but I need the general like size and shape that I'm looking for. So I'll keep my eyes out for that as we're looking for my badge he's he's looking around he's definitely more focused on trying to get this badge because he wants to get out of there like he knows that it's dangerous and ultimately he is by help by letting you go into the mine he is now in running the risk of getting fired because he's not supposed to be there so he's not really paying attention too much to what you're touching apart from just being like all right don't die because i can't afford it right fair enough so how long do you think that she would allow this to keep going? Oh, until he stops me. Like if I don't find, I will go until he until he's like enough is enough. It must be lost. Um, so I'll right. just keep. I'll be like, oh, is it? Uh, is it over here? And I'll look and I'll see that it's not like a good size. So nope, that's not it. And then I'll move on to the next area. Every time you say like, that's not it, he's just like, oh god. And eventually he just looks at you and he's like, look, look. I can, I can use my pass to get you out. Just, you know, you'll just have to stop at the office and tell them that you lost it somewhere or that it got eaten by something and it's no longer usable. This is, we are a quarter of a mile into the mountain. We need to turn around. Wait, wait, is there something in here that eats badges? Did you not go through your safety training? I mean, I don't know. There's something in here that eats people. Oh, well, I don't know what, um, I don't know if you've been up to like the main office, but they are real, HR is slacking lately. Well, it's bad. They're trying their best, okay? Yeah, no, I I, I, th I guess that's fair. But like, don't, don't be mad at me because I didn't get the proper training. Like I'm doing my best too, you know? 
fair. Okay, let's let's get you out of here. If if you haven't been trained properly, that's another lawsuit that's on our heads and my head because I didn't double check. Okay, let's just let's just go back. Let's go back. We'll just say that it it fell between some crevices during a shift or so, or you assume that's what happened. You know, nothing nothing got eaten. No monsters were seen. It's 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 fine. Everything is fine. Okay? Yes. Absolutely. And what was your name again? Just so that if my boss asks what happened, I can refer, I know who they're talking about. Um, my name is Jennifer. Jennifer? Jennifer Roundbottom. I mean, that last name fits, but I've never heard the name Jennifer. Huh. I mean, must be one of those Kalarian names that I've never heard of before, too. Deception God. Jack. <laughs> Make a deception check. I like that one. Come on, I've gotten away. I've gotten away so far. Oh my gosh, that is a six. He looks at you and it's just like nobody around here is named Jennifer. I know it. You know it. I don't even know how you spell that. Look, I get you don't want to share your name because you're trying to keep this, keep yourself away from getting, keep yourself out of any trouble. I'm still looking around, like, as he's talking to me. He's going through, like, a massive just internal, like, struggle of, like, what do I do here? And ultimately, he just looks at you and is just like, who's to say you didn't just leave when I told you to leave? Right, Jennifer? Of course. Man, Jennifer. He looks at you just dumbfounded and just keeps blinking at you and is just and eventually just nods and starts and is just like, let's go and starts walking back. And this time, like you're behind him. So he's leading the way. Um, he seems to know these tunnels pretty well. Like he works these tunnels. He's one of the not a supervisor supervisors, but he's like a head up, like a head of one of the one of the groups of miners that go into these tunnels. So he doesn't know you, but that's not surprising. And he doesn't really need the light. He's used to being in the dark of the tunnels. And all that's connecting you are these two ropes, one from him to you and one from you to him, where occasionally he kind of forgets there's a person there and he like oh, swings no. his arm too hard and you just kind of get like, I'm walking, like looking a little up bit. At the ceiling. Yeah. And he just he just goes, oh, sorry, and just keeps going. Um, and eventually the, you guys get back out to the the front of like the opening of the mine shaft. And you've at this point collected a bunch of little little stones. You've probably grabbed a couple bigger ones. You ha haven't gotten a chance to evaluate exactly what you grabbed or how 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 much it might be worth. I'm shoveling them into my pockets. Essentially. And. He just looks at you as you're shoveling the last couple bits in your pockets. And he just goes, all right, Jennifer, just remember, you left when I told you you were supposed to leave. That was it. No questions yeah, asked. Absolutely. Right? Because I, I can't, I cannot afford to get sued by this goddamn company. Jennifer, this never happened. Got it, Jennifer. Got it, Jennifer. And he just like. He like walks off towards one of like one of the buildings near the mine shafts where most of the supervisors end up staying when they're in town. And he just like keeps looking over his shoulder, like a little confused by the whole interaction is just like. What does Jennifer even mean? Why Jennifer? Who like it just never it will haunt his dreams, this name Jennifer. So. 
you're walking in towards town and you're walking into like the western edge of town, kind of opposite to where Ivy came in from the trailhead and everything. Uh, where would you go? I would assume that I haven't that I'm staying in an inn here. Yeah, you, there are uh, a couple inns. You can kind of choose if you where you'd like to stay. There's the like more popular inn where all of the bunch of the families that Ivy passed on her way up, they're all staying at that inn. Um, and then there is a a smaller inn that's closer to where you are now that uh-huh. tends to be a little quieter, more towny driven. So which where do you think you'd go? Probably the one that's less cluttered and less people-y. Okay. So you walk in, you walk up to this bar, you you see a blue elven person sitting outside on a bench. And you just kind of, would you like... Yeah, I'm very interested in looking at my rocks and my gems. Um, I don't even know if I would clock the blue person sitting... Okay, so you walk in. Your room upstairs doesn't really have anything for you to like spread out your rocks and your trinkets on. You either have your bed upstairs where you can spread everything out where you'd have to like get dirt all over everything or you can sit at like a corner table. Yeah, what's like the table situation downstairs? It's not, I'm assuming it's not like super crowded. No, it's not super crowded. There's people from the mines. It's kind of like an after work watering hole for most people. It's, it. this is very much like the towny bar where it's not, they don't do the bells and whistles. They're not there for the flash and the pomp and circumstance and everything because they just have their reliable people who come in every day. Okay. So there's seats at the bar. There's some tables spread throughout this ca- tavern area. Uh, some that are more in the corners. There's wooden booth seating. It's- I would probably, I would find it the biggest table that was unoccupied and I would start taking stuff out of my pockets and I would probably start categorizing things by shape and like size uh, and whether or not they're like a just a rock that I picked up or a gem that I picked up and I think anyone who might be paying attention at some point would be like that's a lot of stuff coming out of those pockets (laughs) like it's just like it's just Things. And at some point while you're doing this, at some point you're, you are still pulling things out of your seemingly bottomless pockets. At some point, your coach, your coat seems to like vomit stones. It just like you just start seeing stones like instead of you pulling it out, your pockets are now sl- very quickly overfilling with these stones and with these things as your um, as your invention fails and breaks so i'm probably going as it starts happening i'll just start because i think i would feel everything start yes, to like you would, bulge out you would also start to feel the weight more so you would yeah. like you know as the the coat is on your back still because it's easier to uh, empty the pockets when you're still yes, wearing yeah, it i did not take it off at yeah. all yeah you just start like getting pulled more to the sides and more backwards <laughs> because as the pockets overfill with like heavy stones and not just the stones, but like random trinkets that you just have. I have a list of, if anyone is interested in hearing what may or may not come out of my pockets, but um, yeah, I think I'm going, oh no, oh no. And I'm, I'm probably trying to shrug the jacket off, but I might not be able to because I'm, it's just weighing me down at this point. It's just, it's just, you were slowly turning into a pile of a jacket. Like the jacket is like squishing you a little bit as you're trying to pull all these rocks out. And while you're doing that, we're going to actually step away from Alara and zip back over 
towards that circus fair that Ivy saw getting set up when she appeared at the top of the mountain. There seems to be a a couple of tents all throughout this this large open area, but also a fair number of what we in the real world might consider, you know, carnival game pop-ups and different food trucks and all sorts of different games and rides and things like that. We come over to one of the larger of the tents where we see the head elf, the we see the leader of this troop, Zelmadir, talking to a large, relatively large group of just what you would expect from a carny group, you know? Just you look at it and you're like, it doesn't make sense, but that's the point. And in the midst of this, you see we we see a a ni- not little and not a girl anymore, really. She's finally an adult, excited to be out doing her thing for once. Zoop, could you describe your character for me? Sure. So um, Ziva is about 5'5". Five five. She has dark tan skin and long black hair. And she's wearing a red dress that is, uh, it's like a leotard with uh, flowing, flowing bits to it. And they sparkle. And she has a little pouch by her side and she is uh standing excitedly next to a young halfling oh and she's like very athletically built so standing next to ziva is a as she said a halfling named bettina who is learning all of these new things these new aerial dances and learning all about this cool fun exciting world of being in a traveling troupe It's cool. You get to go and see new places and explore the entire country of Oria and and be on your own. You guys are standing there and Bettina is very excited. This is her first place that she's been on, been to. You've probably been to a couple of different locations at this point. You've done a couple of the shows, circuits. Still less than a year that you've, no, you've been there for about two years. No, I've been, I've been there for about two years. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. So you're, you're seasoned enough enough yeah but nothing quite like some of the other you guys just finished setting up for the first night of the festival and it's a week-long festival that most of the attractions and things are going on at night the traveling troop hasn't been in invited to to dragon's nest before they've known about this festival in dragon's nest but this is the first time that they've been allowed to come in and, and encouraged by the town to come here and be a part of the festivities. Zelmadir is just running through some of like the rules that you kind of you kind of go through every single time you stop someplace new, you know. When you're out and about, you're representing the whole of the troop and you have to put your best face forward, but also not too good of a face because then people will talk and they'll have higher expectations, all sorts of stuff like that. He looks over at some of the some of the individuals and he looks over at Ginevra, the human that puts on a very fun burlesque-esque show and is just like, remember to keep your shows in their tents this time. This is a family event. There are children (laughs) and there are some people who would like to see some of this stuff, but keep it in your tents, please. 
please, please keep it in your test. We're, tr we're trying to, we're trying to have good reputation here. You know, it, we're just really trying to. And as he's going through all these, these rules and expectations for you guys, what is Eva thinking? She is going over her routine for later, later that evening is what she's basically running through in her head. She's visualizing it. As Zelmadir finishes off all that and you're still running through your routine in your head, he then looks over at the whole group and, is, and says, all right, so we are all, well, most, because it's already a packed place, I heard, but we are all going to be heading over to the Dragon's Horde Tavern. There's a lot of people there. There's a lot of families. We just got to get some excitement up about the about the troupe, about the festival. We got to, you know, really get get the tourists interested in coming over. You know, ultimately, that's the goal here, right? So who wants to volunteer to come and kind of put on an impromptu mini show in front of in front of this little tavern? And you would just for point of reference, this is the touristy tavern. This is not the towny tavern. I think... I think she's still running through the routine in her head, so she misses that part. So you miss the invitation to come along, and as he's running around, like, checking out who wants to go, Bettina has her little hand raised, and she, like, ends up kind of, like, hitting you a little bit on purpose, going, you know, Ziva, Ziva, we should go. We can go and get more people to come, and this is going to be so much fun. I mean, I don't really know what we can do when we don't have oh. our aerial equipment, but, like... What do you no, think? no, no. The, yeah, we can we can do that. And Ziva will lead her over to where they have some of the equipment and they have smaller hoops that like they can do on their arms and the like. Bettina has been learning that. So we'll take those and we'll we'll go with Stefan because he can he can do some juggling and that's a good you idea. You know, everyone loves the juggling. Yeah, that's such a good idea. Oh my gosh. I'm just so excited. I'm really nervous too. Um, Here, let's swipe some apples because Stefron does the cool thing where he slices the apples with the knives ooh. while juggling. Oh yeah, you show, you let me see. Like, he showed me that the other day. You told me he, he'll show me. That is so cool. And Ooh, if you're willing to learn that, you're braver than I am. I mean, I don't know if I'm willing to learn it, but it's cool to watch. Um, so you guys are starting, you start to head over to this, to this tavern and you see that it is, it's very full. There's a lot of people. It is a basically think like Chucky, Chuck E. Cheese, but there are also like a lot of adults who are actually having fun there, not just sitting in the corner wishing they could go home. So like a bunch of kids like want like playing together, playing games. They've got all sorts of stuff going on and parents who are clearly drinking and having a good time, basically because they're on vacation and assume nothing bad can happen when you're on vacation. Is there anywhere in particular or anything in particular that Ziva would do? So I think we have pamphlet or not pamphlets, but like little flyers, little small pieces of paper that we give out to various people to in invite them in. So we probably stand outside of the inn, Bettina, Stefan, and Ziva and start doing performances. So Bettina and Ziva are like flipping the hoops back and forth to each other and going or you know like just circling them around um and doing a whole bunch of little acrobatic tricks with them defron takes out his the knives and his apples and starts 
doing the the juggling and every once in a while ziva or bettina will hand out the invitational like tickets to to all the different people there as you're doing that what is your passive perception passive perception is 18. oh damn um well with that you definitely would notice that while like they're, the people at this tavern are very excited and very interested in coming to the troop, they're clearly gonna come. Like it seems to be part of the reason why there's so many people here is that news of the troop spread around and that's why so many families have come by. And then since the tram was built, it just made it so much more accessible to people. But you notice that some of the people who aren't staying at this inn, who don't seem to fit the aesthetic of the people around you, the people at the inn, meaning they're not families, they're not partygoers, they're not people who are there to celebrate and have a good time. They're just kind of grumbling at the at the chaos around you and just kind of don't seem very happy to see this troop. I think I, I will nudge Bettina as Stefran has asked, uh, started lighting some things on fire and juggling them but only like three things when he does it when he does it under the tent he does like seven so it's much more impressive ziva elbows bettina and says i mean i think all of these people they're definitely coming anyways we should see if we can get some of the townsfolk to come come on i think it needs a subtler approach it's getting later in the evening. We're closer to about 6.30 in the evening, so the sun's getting low. Ziva's definitely getting cold, especially as she's not under her, under the tent where heat gets trapped. And she's, you guys are walking around the town and she stands out, both of you, both you and, and Bettina stand out like sore thumbs. Most of the people who live in this town seem to kind of have more of a subdued aesthetic where their colors are a little more muted a little bit more reserved mostly because they're workers this is a, a blue collar town so as you're walking around the town more and more people are noticing you and you see some people are giving you kind of like intrigued looks where they're just very interested in what's happening here and they've never really seen this kind of outfit before and other people just keep kind of giving you snide stares and just being like this is a waste of time this is such an inconvenience to our lives we just live here just because there's a festival who cares do we see any other taverns you come around the corner yes you do see another tavern you see you see a sign outside of that tavern that says the mountain peak pub and it also kind of fits the aesthetic of the town and of the townspeople it's a little more muted you see that there are people coming in and out and as you're approaching the tavern, you 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 also see a, a blue person sitting outside, but you also hear kind of a loud series of thumps as certain things keep falling to the ground. Well, uh, this blue person is, of course, a guest to be. So we will stop and flourish and say, have you heard about the... The troop that has come to town? You mean the town that's supposed to be a fucking mountain? Yes. No. You seem very troubled. Please come tonight. I'm actually going to be on the stage and I will dry those tears with some 
acts of aerial finesse. Are you a therapist? <laughs> of the arts. <laughs> of the yes. arts, one might say. Uh, maybe I don't. She she releases, she lifts her hand up and just concentrates for a moment and popping up over her head are four colorful bubbles that began rotating around her. See, aren't they calming? She's going to look at that. She's going to lift her hand up and from it you see this like dark navy blue, almost smoke come out and curl itself into like a claw. And she goes, I can do magic too. She causes the dancing lights to dance around the claw as if they're all dancing. And she flourishes out an invitation. Ivy takes it and goes, well, I, I don't even know if he'll still be here tonight, but maybe, whatever. Give it a try. I'm sure it'll make your night. Well, can't get any fucking worse. That's the spirit. <laughs> That's the spirit. I love her. I think after this conversation, Ziva and Bettina will head in. Ziva looks at Bettina and says, so some places you have to be very careful with how you enter. You can't enter with a flourish. You have to first get, and I'm, I'm getting the sense that this is that kind of place. You have to get the permission of the tavern owner first. Huh. I never would have thought of that. I mean, I thought we were just kind of like, do what we want screw the consequences sort of people no it's you know sometimes it's it's all about doing what gets you the results that you want so isn't that kind of manipulative come yes okay let's do it <laughs> she's like so on board with just being manipulative <laughs> uh so we'll enter and we'll go straight to the bars keep you again you also like look around and see like over the bar you see this tiny little halfling man who's still kind of sweating bits and a bit here and there and looking over his shoulder at the dragonborn in the corner uh and we'll go to the barkeep say excuse me good sir we're from the traveling troop and we were hoping that we could woo your patrons to come after they've had a filling meal at your tavern to come see a show. Would that be okay? I don't know. I don't know. Um, mm, you, you gotta go ask Shima. Go ask, the, you gotta go ask Shima and he points over at the kind of, she doesn't look mean, but she just looks frustrated. This frustrated looking uh, dragonborn sitting in the corner with her leg in a cast propped up on a chair. So I will go over to the dragonborn. He looks very relieved say, that you're leaving him alone. <laughs> you you scare him, but in like a good way, because he's just like, you are tall and you are beautiful. Oh my god! I, oh my god! I, I can't I can't work under these conditions. <laughs> uh, so she go. Uh, the two of them go over to Shima. Excuse me. Uh, what are Shima's pronouns? Shima is she her. Excuse me, Miss Shima. Uh, me? Can, can I help you? Yes, uh, are you you the owner of this tavern? Yeah, yes I am. Yes I am. I sorry, I I'm never really out front. I'm only out here because quite honestly I can't put my leg up in the office. That makes total sense. So we're from the troop, the traveling troop that's come to town and I was hoping that we could invite your patrons to come join us okay, after okay, they've okay. had a filling meal. How much of meal. an inconvenience is this going to be? How much are you going to be in our way 
Tristan can barely handle the bar on Not his own. Sometimes I'm helping him, but I can't do it. And Varys is God knows where right now. Probably, who knows? I, I can't keep track of everyone. We could help serve drinks. Are you trained? I can balance real well on a hoop. I'm pretty sure I can hold a drink. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, you can do your thing. You can share your little pamphlets and tricks and everything. Um, just Tristan also, Tristan, he's a little sensitive. I don't know the right word. He just, you're going to scare him. Okay, so maybe we won't go near the bar. But he's going to get distracted. Just letting you know. But do your thing. Do your thing. Is is Dristan horny on Maine? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Dristan is like he's like the gnome or like the halfling equivalent of like a 16 year old who hasn't where he hasn't been around a lot of girls or people who aren't cisgendered male. So he doesn't really know how to address people who aren't, you know, just like bros. But he's not like an asshole. He's just naive and doesn't know mm-hmm. how to handle himself and very sweaty. Very sweaty. So we'll go around and we'll hand pamphlets out. You approach a large table in the back corner of the tavern. As you're approaching it, you, you see that this is where the the loud thumping was coming from. Oh, oh my, that is a a lot of rocks and shiny things. Oh, are you, yeah. Did did it explode already? Like, has yeah. it happened? Oh or yeah, is it no, still, it, it's, it's still it's it, okay. it's it's fully it's done exploding. But you now like all of your stuff is just in piles around you. So I'm on the I'm on the floor at this point, probably on my hands and knees, and I'll look up at you. Oh, yeah, hi. Uh, sorry, am I in your way? And I'll try to do like a. S- let me let me let me help you. Uh, okay, thank you. And I'll help her pick up stuff and um is there anything that looks small fun and maybe shiny definitely Um, well there's a lot of uh like gems there's Um, a lot of gems there's a lot of gems hold on let me get my list while you're saying that uh bettina is kind of getting the same vibe and just like when alara is not looking over Alara, can you make like a perception check real quick? Or what's your passive perception? It's not. What what it's is not. it? What is it? It's a 10. Okay, well, I'm making my first DM roll of the night. You notice she rolled a nine. Um okay. so you notice that she is like putting rocks in her bag or in her pockets. Hey, hey, um, hi. You can have some if you want, but uh, do you mind if I just look at them first really quick? I'm all about sharing. I just, I'm looking for one that's really specific. I wasn't taking any. I I just, I was just moving them out of the way. Um, And this was just the easiest way to do it. You know, pick up a bunch, put them in my bag, and then dump them out over, over there. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Okay. And I'll put my hand out to kind of take them back. She very begrudgingly hands you she hands you like a large um, emerald like it's a like a one of the larger pieces that you snagged and to her it really like would take up most of her bag so of course Mm -hmm. she went for that and that's also why it you noticed because it was very obvious it's too big it was too big too big for a halfling to be stealing and it's probably of no interest to me right because it's so big probably yeah but it's so, really obvious. Um, I'll look at it here and I'll just give it back to her. You can have this one. 
Wait, what? Ziva is giving Bettina a withering look for getting she, caught. She like glances up at you and sheepishly, sheepishly looks away and like scratches her head and just goes, I'm sorry, I tried. I know you were teaching me, but I'm not good at this yet. It just looked so pretty. I know it's like the size of my face, but like it's gotta be worth money. I'm just shaking my head at her. Um, I go back to kind of picking up my stuff. And I think the first thing any person is going to notice is that this is way too much stuff to fit anywhere on my person. Even um, with 25 different pockets. Yeah. Yes. So lots of rocks and gems. There's a chest. There's a two and a half by one and a half foot chest. There's a water skin. There's a metal pot, knives, forks, a wooden spoon, a ladle. Something kind of akin to like a Swiss army knife. It's like a key ring and it has small metal like tools on it. There's needle and thread, uh, scraps of fabric, a very small cast iron pot with a lid, scrolls, qu a quill, an inkwell, books. What looks to be alchemical equipment, uh, like countless vials and little jars filled with herbs and various colored uh, liquids. There's lip balm. Um, and then there is- Yes, because the lip balm is what we're worried about in terms of taking space, not the one by two and a half foot yeah. chest that just fell that out of your out of pockets. Yes. yes, thank you, Ari. I'm really worried yeah. about the chapstick. Right. And also, <laughs> there's also um, uh, my little kind of personal gem. It's a piece of spin spinel. It's a very um, vivid red, like fiery colored gem, but it's worn down and very smooth because it is, in fact, my worry stone, basically. But that is pretty much what you see strewn about me. And I'm shoveling it. As you guys are talking, as you guys are talking, you're going to hear, you're going to hear Shima just kind of yell out because she can't really go anywhere easily. It's just easier for her to yell. And she just, she yells out, Dristin, Dristin, go get Varys to do that. Come on, come on. You cannot, you cannot change the kig on your own. You cannot do it. I know you're trying and I know the pretty girl's there and you want to impress her, but you can't do it. You're going to get smushed. Wayra, can you please introduce your character? Of course. So a hand come, a large hand comes and grips the uh, door frame at gray and skin, light gray skin. As he ducks underneath the door frame emerging, you see a six foot five half orc, definitely leaning more towards Elvin. Small kind of tusks, long light pink hair, very long ears, lots of piercings on them. Just dressed in kind of like nice fine black dress pants and a white Billowy poet's shirt just kind of ducks through. He says, "You cold?" Varys. Dristan's trying to do, trying, trying to be strong again. He's too small for that. Dristan, let me handle that, please. I wouldn't have hired him. I wouldn't have hired him if it wasn't my wife's nephew. He does just a fine job. He just can't lift things that are bigger than him. And he bends down and picks up <laughs> the barrel and puts it up and uncags it and sets it all up for him. Pats him on the shoulder. Good try, though. Thanks. He looks over at you and go just goes, Thanks, Ferris. Of course. You can you can you <sighs> What is it? And he crouches down a little bit. Can you not do that? That makes me feel even worse. Right. I'm already tiny, Aww. man. I'm just trying to be vulnerable and like thank you for helping me, man. Like you're just oh never mind. He stands up. He just drifts and goes back to serving drinks. Um, just kinda like scratches the back of his head like sorry <laughs> and Sh shima like looks over at you and just goes Ferris, 
Get yourself an ale on the house and come sit down and we'll talk about what you, what I need you to do this evening. Also, sometimes it's kind of nice if I could get you to work during the day too. You know, that would be great. <laughs> of course, Shima. I'm sorry. I was out doing some a few odd jobs. And he kind of goes over. Doesn't grab an ale, grab some water. Granted, granted, I don't pay you. I just give you a place to sleep and eat and all that stuff. And I don't know why I said on the house. Everything's on the house for you. I mean, that's payment enough, is it not? <sighs> she seems a little frustrated by it, but also is like, this is what it has to be. It's okay. He goes and sits beside her. Okay, so here's the deal. We've got, she points over at the group of three people in the corner, surrounded by the mountain of stuff, and just goes, we've got that shit show going on. We also have... What on earth? Yeah, I don't know. That girl's jacket just started vomiting stuff. And I don't know how a chest came out of there or how, honestly, how all of those rocks came or where she got the rocks. She doesn't look that strong mm. to be carrying almost 300 pounds worth of rocks. But okay. It seems almost arcane in influence, I would assume, but... What what am I? I mean you're the you're the expert. I just I just run the tavern. You know more of this stuff than I do. So I I need your help with with the festival coming in and everything. I really need all of I need your help to make sure that all of these questionable types she kinda nudges and looks over at 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 Ziva in the corner and is just kind of like, I just saw the little one try and steal a gem bigger than her face and it didn't work he face palms <laughs> and and she's like I, he's just like rookie mistake she kind of looks at you a little dumbfounded she's like i never would have thought i'm sorry what never mind never mind <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> oh you've got such a good sense of humor varus that's why i keep you around that and also i can't do the things right now and she gestures to her leg that's very clearly broken and has been since you've known her and she just looks around she's like but we've got all of these tourists coming in and while our tavern so far has been safe thank the gods they'll inevitably bring their little children here and all right. it's it's gonna be chaos you know just i just need your help here and there it, it maybe not tonight because everybody seems to be pretty happy over over at the other tavern for right now but one of these other nights I, i'm gonna need you around before you go off and do anything else, I, I do I do really need you to check the kegs. I, I really do. I can't I can't rely on Dristan. I really can't. Of course, I'll get right on He's it. He's too sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't trying to make Dristan a sweaty little gremlin, but he is He's now. He's nervous. He is he very nervous. Him. No, I love him. He just needs a towel. <laughs> <laughs> he needs, like... A couple towels. Say, he needs like too. towels that are bigger than him that he's gonna use up too quickly. He can wrap oh, himself man. in it. <laughs> but like a hand cloth, maybe. Shima looks at you and just goes, I know there's not a ton to do tonight, but you know, once you take a look around and help out where you can, you're you're free to go explore go go explore this troop, this festival thing. I I've seen the shooting stars before. I've seen the stars. They they're fine. I know this is your first time here, so I'm sure you're going to want to go see them at some point this week. So just let me know when you want to go and see them, and we'll make I it work. I appreciate it. Is there anything I can grab for you, Shima? Just another another ale for me, please. I just... Of course. Just watching, just watching this shit show is 
driving me a little crazy. A little too sober for it. I can't go and clean it up. It's it, there's dirt all over the place. I gotta. Can you get dressed in the small broom, the one that's like made for him? <laughs> He's gonna need the big broom. Of course. Yep. He can't I'll manage the big broom. I mean, he just can't. Yeah, he's gonna need it so he can get all of the all of the dirt and grime off the floor. I, you know, I've been hearing rumors that the health inspector is gonna be coming around at some point. We can't have this much dirt and grime on the ground. Alara's gonna get them shut down. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> Side quest yeah, unlocked. Stop the health inspector. Okay, I do have I do have prestidigitation, so I can clean little areas as but we how go. Much area, but how much of the area is now covered in a lot of broken stones and gravel? <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna take yeah. a little while. But speaking of, are there any funny looking stones? Like maybe one that looks like a person's face or like a mouse or like there are definitely some funky looking shapes in this cluster of stones here there are some that look like what you'd expect yeah i'm not interested in those but then there's ones there's ones that look just like you know a blob like the edges are too rounded for normal stone like it should be pointy and it's not um there's ones that that definitely look like what you're describing. There's one that looks like an old man. You see all of like the old man features that Ivy was looking for earlier today. I want the one that looks like an old man. <laughs> Could I keep an eye on the group there, please? So that's a natural 20. Are you stealing Oh, to my steal rock? it? Oh, to, <laughs> to steal it? To Sleight of hand, the one that looks like an Do old man. Do I get man. to roll? Yes, you can roll. If you get a natural 20, you win. Two. So you <laughs> seamlessly steal the old man looking rock. Seamlessly. <laughs> and you're adding it to your your collection of trinkets. Yes. What is Ivy doing right now? I know she's not in the bar, but what is she doing? I think at this point, Ivy, Bia is going to like start nudging Ivy and chirping in a way that's like, I'm hungry. Can we please go get something to eat? So Ivy is going to stand and walk into back into the tavern. She's going to look around, see uh, the spectacle that is in the corner, see the little the little halfling <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> Dristin is... Dristan is dripping in sweat. Like he's it's not just from nerves anymore because he's now running around. There's some other townspeople who are in the bar. He's being assisted now. He's being assisted now. Varys is there. Uh, There's like a bar, right? Like a traditional bar. There's a traditional bar. She's just going to go and sit at the traditional bar. Um, Bia is going to sit in a chair next to her, (laughs) like barely have her little claws up with her face so that she can look over the like Bia can look over the bar and just waiting. I love Bia with all my heart. She's so cute. <laughs> so would Varys notice this new person coming in and this dragon? I'm assuming I could with a passive perception of 12 I'd probably notice. Yeah, yeah. You're the oddity. It's not like she's sneaking in or anything. Yeah. So yeah, he'll he'll go over to the bar and help out Dristan. Poor Dristan. Just set down the, one of the kegs that he brought in from the back and then go over to the bar. Tristan's at the bar looking over at Ivy and it's just like, can I get you, can I get you something to drink or eat? 
Can I can I help you? <sighs> yes, please. Um, why are you blue, Tristan? What? We don't just ask people why they're blue. <laughs> but I'm curious. <laughs> I, that's just the way I was born. You know, huh. you drink too much blueberry juice at a young age, and your skin just turns blue. I guess. Can I please have something to drink and eat? But blueberries are purple. Okay, sure. What do you want? Um, okay, I'll take a, um, dandelion tea and, um, some elk, ground elk, please, with, um, uh, can uh, I, all right, for, honey for, and um, hazelnut bread I th- on the side and, um, probably some dewberries too, yes. Dristan, like, just kind of blinks at you and just goes, we don't have any of that. Not even the tea? No, we we do have the tea, but I we we don't have any of that food. Okay. This place sucks. Oh. What do you mean? No, this No, I'm not I'm your your tavern's probably fine. I just mean like this realm sucks. What are you wait? <sighs> what? That Varys clocks that. N- this realm. Ivy sort of like puts her cheek on her fist and closes her eyes briefly, just trying to like stay calm. Dristy, Dristin's just very Varys confused. Like, Dristin, Dristin, could you go get a menu, please? Varys, Varys, go, go get a menu. Okay, jeez. And he goes and like goes out back. Most people there don't need a menu because it's kind of just traditional tavern fare. While Justin is gone, Varys will just kind of like pull up a, a stool in the back and sit on it and like sit down with his arms on the counter, fingers together, look at her and go, just going to give you a hint here. It's probably safer for your well-being not to mention to anybody that you're not from this realm. Just on the FYI. Okay. Why? Because interplanar travel is not a thing that is legal. Since when? Since a long time. Huh. Okay. Um. So if anybody asks you if you why you're blue or where you came from, just say, just smile, nod, and say, I'm a Ganassi or something. Okay, but aren't Ganassis, like, see-through? No, that would be a ghost, darling. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we'll end tonight's <laughs> Thank you all for listening to our first ever episode of the Rainbow Dice Club podcast. We are incredibly grateful and thankful to every single one of you for listening to a bunch of people just talk into microphones and play a game of D&D. Don't forget, if you like what you're hearing, please go rate and review us on whichever streaming platform you listen to. It really helps us out. We would love to thank a couple of people who helped us make this podcast a reality. Thank you to SG for our spine-tingling theme music. You can find them on SG Diminished at Twitter. Also, thank you to Frog, who did our amazing map. Their Twitter is at Onfibian. Thank you to Lid, who brought our characters and our DM to life. They look fantastic. Follow them at Adamantium Inc. And lastly, thank you, thank you, thank you to Ren, who did our amazing logos. They can be found at Helium underscore Wieners. 
You can find links to all these people's social media in our show notes. Please follow us on our different platforms. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Rainbow Dice Club. And while you're there, grab an invite and join us in our awesome Discord server. Chat with the cast as well as some really cool like-minded people. And finally, we just want to give a big and hearty thank you to everyone who listens and supports us. We couldn't do it without you. All right, friends. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. And remember, wherever you are in your journey, you are accepted, you are loved, and you are welcome at our table. Hey friends, Ariana here to let you know that each month we'll be featuring a creator in the TTRPG space whose content we think you'd enjoy. So if you're a fellow podcaster, an artist, or a TTRPG content creator of any sort, and you'd like to be featured, please reach out to us at Rainbow Dice Club on any of our socials to inquire. For our first ever creator spotlight, we're excited to feature Tabletopped Podcast. My name is Nick Perrin, and I'm an actor, writer, and game master. And on Tabletopped, I talk with an expert game master every week to find out the best ways to run amazing games and tell epic stories. Looking to start DMing? Or maybe you've been a game master for a long time and want to spice up your table? Then this podcast is for you. Tabletopped is released on Mondays wherever you get your podcasts.